Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. What day is it? It's the day the Lord has made, and what do we do about it? We rejoice and we're glad in it. Praise God. Thank you um, for coming out today. Thank you for starting your week off with Him. And uh, we know it's not by coincidence that you're here right now in this room, in this space and time and place of His grace. God's got good things for you. Lena, so good to see you. I just love seeing my good friend and neighbor and, and all of you guys. You're all part of my family too, but... Um, okay, question for you. The Misfits, Guns N' Roses, Smashing Pumpkins, Spice Girls, The Grateful Dead, The Who, The Monkees, Sync, Led Zeppelin, Destiny's Child. What do they all have in common? They're all great bands. <laughs> and they all need Jesus. No, I'm kidding. Um, that's true. We all need Jesus. You know what? They're all bands who reunited after calling it quits. And so the message title I have for you today is this. Is it worth getting back together? Well, have you ever thought about reconnecting with somebody that maybe you used to be close to in the past? Yep, come on. Whether it was a close friend of yours, maybe it was a colleague, or it could have been a family member. Show of hands, how many of you have siblings? A lot of us, go figure. Uh, How many of you either lost touch with a friend or a family member before? Yeah, a lot of us, right? You know, maybe you've grown apart and whether it was a disagreement or maybe it was just a life change that took place because, you know what, over times we can grow apart. You know, we start our own families and um, we kind of go our separate ways. But we believe as a church, no, I think most churches believe this in this season, that this is the year of the open door. This is the year of more. And one of those open doors is to reach out to a loved one. To say, I love you. I'm sorry. And maybe that you'd like to make an effort to reconnect. Now, I don't know if you can think back to when you were a kid. Some of you, it's not that long ago. Some of you are just kids in adult bodies like me. I get that. But if you ever had, you know, siblings or close friends growing up, you probably had no idea that your interactions then would affect who you are today and how you interact with others now. From the way that you were taught how to treat your family, how you treated your friends when you were young will actually have a direct effect to later how you interact with people in the future. Whether it be your family or your coworkers or just people that you come in contact with. It's proven that how we treat one another in our younger years has a direct effect to how we will treat people later in life. 
Did you know that by the age of 10, you've established your core foundational beliefs? So that means what you think about who people are and what you believe you can or cannot do or what life is about, a lot of those core foundations are established by the age of 10. And that's why we invest so much in our kids' program, in our kids' environments, and creating a community where they can come in and learn who they are in Christ and what they're actually capable of and create environments where they can interact with one another and learn how to treat one another. A lot of your habits shaped long ago in your younger years are connected to deeper beliefs that you have within. A few examples where you were taught um, learning to resolve conflict, how to handle communication, and hopefully you were taught how to put the needs of others above your own. You know, God designed families uh, to be there to support one another and to build one another up. And we don't often think of our younger years as a training ground for the rest of our lives. But the Bible was built on relationships. It's full of dysfunctional families. It's got adoptions, it's got orphans, it's got widows, it's got castaways, it's got the broken, and it's got restored relationships. And it represents the family of God and the kingdom of God. It represents us. So I want to share a little bit about our great family history, past hurts and healings. And it's the story of Abraham's family, his son Isaac and Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau. So if you brought your Bibles with you today, would you just hold them up right now so I know you got them, even if they glow in the backgrounds, hold them in the air, there you go. Yeah, we're at God's concert today. It's all about him. And if you would, you can turn with me to, oh, I'm in Exodus. That was the men's group. Genesis 25. It should be on the left-hand side of your Bible, right in the beginning. Genesis 25. And we're going to start with a struggle that was going on inside a pregnant woman. Her name was Rebecca. And it says this, Genesis 25, starting uh, in verse 22. It says that the, the babies were wrestling each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? Any women that have had children or maybe you're just going through life and you're wondering, why is this happening to me? Yeah, no? Okay, just take it all in and then we can interact later. But it says, so she inquired to the Lord... And the Lord says to her, there's two nations, whoa, two nations inside of your womb and two peoples from within you that will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So this is our first point or our first question. Why is this happening to me? Power of why. If you don't know why, you'll say goodbye. You don't know the purpose of something, you'll abuse it. Why is this happening to me? Better yet, maybe it's, maybe it's just the way that you're asking the question because questions shape focus. Maybe it's not happening to you, but maybe it's happening for you. Come on. Is it happening to you or is it happening for you? Say, it's happening for me. There you go. See, the Lord answered Rebecca, 
that there was something greater on, there's something greater going on inside of her that he wanted to birth out of her. But guess what? There's a struggle that was taking place. And the Lord said, two nations, and he says something specific. He says that the younger will serve the older. The younger will serve the older. Now, this went against their cultural beliefs and their customs because the older one would be the one that would get the inheritance and the younger ones would always serve the older one. So how many of you know that when Christ comes into the picture, he really has a way of messing with our methods, right? Messing with our systems, messing with our beliefs. The older one will serve the younger. Now, this is key because we're going to come back to this as to why Rebecca did what she did. And you'll see how her sons grew up in some of the belief systems in which they had and the tension that they faced in the environment they were in and the culture that the Lord wanted to change. It's good. It's good stuff. Someone says it's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. In Genesis 25, 30 to 31, Jacob, this is the younger brother. So you got Esau and Jacob. They both come out. Esau looks like Chewbacca. Right, he's all hairy. They call him Harry One. Jacob comes out second. Hey, you're number two. You'll be second. What his name also means deceiver, liar. Careful what you name your kids. Just heads up. Heads up. <laughs> Names are powerful. But move on. These men grow up, and I, just to give you a little context, um, Jacob, he was a mama's boy. He hung out in the tent with mom, and and it would make sense. And I'm sure his mom Rebecca told him all the time, "You're going to be great. You're going to be great. You're going to be greater than your brother." Then Jacob, he was. Uh, I'm mean, sorry, Esau. Jacob's in the tent, Esau's outside. Okay, so with me? Good, I'm making sure I'm doing this right. Don't just believe me because I said it. Read the Bible, okay? So Esau, he's out there. He's a man's man. He goes hunting. Chewy loves to hunt, okay? So that's what he does. Okay, he's outdoors. He's hunting all the time. Jacob's in the tent. You with me? Jacob's with mom. But so one day, Esau comes back after a long day of hunting, and he's hungry. He's hangry. And Esau's cooking up some stew. And in Genesis 25, verse 30, it says, when Jacob was cooking the stew, Esau comes in from the open country, and he is hungry. And he says to Jacob, quick, give me some of that uh, red stew. I'm famished. Jacob, being the deceiver, come on, being second, he says this, first sell me your birthright. Whoa, I'm telling you. Don't make any major decisions when you're super hungry. It's like the worst time to go grocery shopping. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, that was free. You can have that. It's worth your gas money right there. But know when you're making decisions and why you're making those decisions. But in this case, you know, he said, Jacob deceives him, says, yo, sell me your, your birthright first. I'll give you the bowl of beans for the blessing, for the birthright. And you know what? He does it. And later when Isaac, that's the father, is on his deathbed, and it comes for Esau to receive the final blessing. Okay, he's already got his birthright robbed. Now it's blessing time. So he sends away the oldest son, Isaac, and he says, go hunt for me, bring me back some food, cook me up some good meat, and then I'll lay hands on you and I'll bless you. Well, when Esau goes away, Rebecca, the mom, goes to Jacob and, and knows what's going on. She takes matters into her own hands instead of leaving it in God's hands. Remember, because God said this is what's going to happen. But how many times when, when God tells us something or gives us a vision, we want to make everything happen. 
And sometimes we miss the mark and we miss the meaning or we miss the blessing. Maybe it was a vision from God. It just wasn't the right time or the right way. But Rebecca, she sends for, for Jacob and says, hey, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to dress like your brother. And, you know, because Isaac's ready to pass on, I guess he can't see really well. You're going to dress like your brother. You're going to smell like your brother. You can even put on stuff so it looks like you're super hairy. Put on the chewy outfit, right? And then, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to cook the food, and then you're going to go to your father, and you're going to pretend to be your brother. True story. Okay? So all this takes place just so they can take matters in their own hand, just so the younger one can get the blessing. And believe it or not, it actually works. Jacob is obedient to his mother. Isaac falls for it. And once he's blessed, even after the father, after Isaac finds out that his son deceived him, he still doesn't take back the blessing. He says, it's done. I blessed him. But because of this, Jacob is forced to be a fugitive from the family. He's forced to run away because he's scared of his brother and he should be. So he runs for his life and he ends up living with his uncle Laban. Not a great man either, by the way. We will get more into that. But in Genesis 27, you still with me? All right, four of you in the front are still with me. You're still with me in the back? Awesome, good stuff. Genesis 27, verse 41 says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob. Yeah, no doubt. Why? Because of the blessing that his father had given him. And he says to himself, he says, the days of mourning my father are near. Then I will kill my brother. I kill you. That's what he said. That's my version. I kill you. Second point. Are we holding grudges? You ever hold, held a grudge? You don't have to put your hand up or any of that. You know, like, oh, thank you for admitting that in the front row. Honesty. Yeah. We've, but I'm sure we all have, or, or maybe we are still holding on to a grudge. So the question is, am I holding a grudge? You see, because a grudge is a, 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 is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from past injury or past insult. See, many times we distance ourselves from others because we hold a grudge against another person. Could be another business. It could be another church or something that happened to you in a past, in the past. And if we're not careful, their fault becomes our filter. I'll say that again. If we're not careful, their fault becomes our filter. And instead of getting better, we become bitter because we hold on to that which was never ours to hold on to in the first place. For we are to forgive, we are to let go and let God, but instead we hold on to that grudge. And we may struggle with, with trusting others, letting others into our lives. We distance ourselves from others for a time. But in reality, we also distance everyone else in our lives that wants to be close to us. And we may find ourselves moving from place to place, relationship to relationship, and experiencing the same letdown. Because we allow that fault to become our filter. So it might be that letdown, it might be that hurt, it might be that resentment. But unless we deal with the unforgiveness in our hearts, 
we won't move forward. And we won't just miss out on the time that is given to us. Others are missing out on time with us. You hear? Are you with me? In Genesis 28, so even after, again, Isaac finds out that he was deceived by his son Jacob, stole his brother's blessing, the father still sends his son away blessed with a blessing. Why? First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, say above all, love, because love covers a multitude of sins. And it doesn't just say love. The scripture actually says love deeply, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So here's the thing. The mother, Rebecca, didn't want her son going off, marrying just any other woman. How many moms in the house that understand that? You want the best for your kids. Come on. So specifically, she did not want him to marry a Canaanite woman, a Hittite woman. Okay, she wanted a good, godly woman for her son. And she goes to the point to say to Isaac, the father, you know, pretty much it's not even worth it for me to be alive. I couldn't even be alive if my son marries a Canaanite woman. All right. So she asked her husband to bless him and send him off to get the right woman. Whew. The power of a mama. And you know what? Because of the father's love for his bride, he blesses the son. And because of the father's love for his son, we, the church, being the bride of Christ, are blessed. Are you with me? Isaac says this to Jacob. He says this to his son in Genesis 28, verse 3. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. A community of people. Here's the thing. Yeah, some of us are broken, but we're still blessed. I mean, all of us might feel in a sense that we are in some way broken, but you're still blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Okay, say it again like you mean it. I am blessed. Come on. Broken, but still blessed. Praise the Lord. You see, a, a father never loses his love for his children. No matter what awful thing they may have done or are doing, he always looks for the best and believes for the best. This is our heavenly father's love for us. It's agape love. It's unconditional love. It's the kind of love that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. A kind that keeps no record of wrong, that looks for the best, hopes for the best, endures all things. Come on. For First John says that God is love. And that's the kind of love that we want to have. If there's any fathers in the house, there's any parents in the house, or even in our relationship, you want to get to that kind of place where you don't hold grudges, where you're able to let go and let God, that you don't give up on people, but you give people up to God. Come on. That's what we need. Now, think about if you were Esau, okay, the hairy one, the one that was deceived, the one that lost all the, all the birthright, he lost the blessing, been lied to by his other brother. Man, how do you think that you would feel? 
I'm sure there's got to be some people out there have been taken advantage of. You know, some things have been said and people didn't follow through. Something was owed to you, was taken from you, robbed from you. I'm telling you, the Lord is in the business of, rest of restoration. That's his business. What the enemy has stolen from you, robbed from you, he's going to give back to you a hundredfold. If you're willing to do it his way. If you lay it down at his feet, watch as he restores everything that was robbed from you. That is the God that we serve. That all good things, all, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But put yourself, if you would, just for a moment in Esau's shoes. I can tell you what the Bible says and how he reacted based on his feelings. It wasn't faith that was moving him forward. It was his feelings that caused him to react. And see, he purposed to dishonor his own mother because he heard that his mom didn't want any of the boys marrying any Canaanite women. It says, now Esau learned that Isaac had, had, that had been blessed by his father Jacob and sent him to Paddan Aram to take on a wife from there and that he would be blessed as his father had commanded him. But his father, and his father said, do not marry a Canaanite woman. So what does he do? He, he marries a Canaanite woman. He's like, I know how I'm gonna get back at mom. I'm sure no one's ever done that before. <laughs> I'm just gonna do this to despite my parents. I'm gonna marry that man. I'm gonna be with that woman. I'm gonna do that thing that my parents don't want me to do and I respond out of rebellion instead of righteousness. I'm sure we've all been there. Now, back to Jacob. He still had a long road ahead of him. Remember, when we do things our way instead of God's way, there's still, you know, for, for everything that we do, we, we could, we'll reap what we sow. And I'm glad we don't get the whole fairness thing. We'll get back to that. But, but God doesn't give us what we deserve. But he still had a long road ahead of him because he had to go work for his uncle Laban. Not a great guy, by the way. Not a great guy. He falls in love with, uh, with um, oh, help me out here. Scott, sorry, Rachel. Falls in love with Rachel. So there's Rachel out there and then he, you know, he goes to Laban and he says, yeah, sure, you can have my daughter after you work for me for seven years for nothing. Okay, he does it. Seven years comes, wedding night comes. I don't know how much that guy had to drink, but somehow he ends up with the wrong girl. Yeah, the other sister. True story, look it up, it's in the Bible. Not saying anything about the drinking part, just sorry. But uh, that's in the Bible too, actually. We can learn a lot, just saying. So then he's got to work another seven years for Rachel. So he ends up with, with two women, takes 14 years to do it. There's way more to the story. We don't even have time to get through all of that. But either way, don't think that, well, his life was just so easy and he just had God's favor and grace on his life and because he did it his way, no, 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 no. Jacob struggled. Jacob literally wrestled with God at one point. Literally, he's wrestling with God. And it's in that moment when wrestling with God, he finally comes to the place of surrender because it says that he would not let him go. And he said to God, he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And here's the key thing. God says, who are you? 
Remember, he's always been the deceiver. He's always been the liar. He's always pretended to be somebody else that he wasn't. He pretended to be his brother. And so finally he says, I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm second. And it's in that moment, that moment of repentance, that moment of honesty and authenticity that God says, no, no, no. No longer will you then be called Jacob. You will be called Israel. Wow. And in Genesis 32, after all this, Jacob's done really well serving the Lord. He's blessed him with so much. Big family. He's got big flocks. Given a new name. A souvenir from his Savior. He actually had a, a hip that was out. The Lord put his hip out. In all this, you, you get to Genesis 33, and Jacob hears that his brother Esau, after 20 years, is coming towards him with 400 men. Whoa. So he's scared. So he decides, I'm taking my two wives, separating them with the children, two different tribes, and they're going up ahead of me, and I'm going to send tons of gifts to my brother. Maybe that will help. For real. But guess what happens? It says in Genesis 33, verse 4, when Esau comes into the picture and sees Jacob, it says that Esau runs to meet Jacob, embraces him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both cried. What a beautiful picture of grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. Because again, when, when, when Isaac was dying, let's just recap, Jacob, with his mother's help, cheated Esau out of his father's blessing. And Esau would have killed Jacob if Jacob had not fled. Now, 20 years later, Esau comes, meets his brother, and forgives him. It's never too late. Jesus reconciled our relationship with God the Father. From the very beginning, mankind wanted to be in control. And they broke covenant. They were given this beautiful garden to take care of, Garden of Eden. And they were given all this freedom. But they were told not to eat from a certain tree, a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they chose their way instead of God's way. But when we choose to humble ourselves and restore relationships, we are actually reflecting the very nature of Christ. You see, because God had a plan to restore all of that, and that was to send his one and only son. So we can choose the time that we've been given to either bring us closer together, or we can choose it to distance ourselves from others. But when we choose to put ourselves and, and, and choose to purpose ourselves to be in a position and a posture of coming together, that's where we'll find Christ. And that's why we gather every Sunday. And more than Sunday, that's why we gather multiple times throughout the week. So we can build each other up. We can be real. 
and we can learn to respond the way that God has called us to respond. Because everything hangs off this, love God and love others. And now we might not always get along with one another, but we choose to put God and we choose to put others first. The verse that I have for us is this, is found in Proverbs 17, 17. It just keeps coming up. I don't know if you've noticed it. It says, a friend loves at all times. Say all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity, meaning he's got your back. God's got your back. Will you have your brother's back? You never know how much time that you've got. So don't waste it holding on to a grudge. Instead, I'd encourage you, give it to God. Would you stand with me? Our takeaway is this. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is our greatest reward. Laying down and putting aside those things that have gotten in the way and just coming with open hearts and open hands to God. See, because it's worth coming together. There may be one day till you can't. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We do know that today is the day the Lord has made. And His mercies are made new every morning. If you're here today and this message hit hard. I knew it might. Just so you know, I'm always preaching to myself. I've been reaching out to my brothers. I've been reaching out to family. I've been reaching out to old friends. And actually all started by seeing the last post that my mom had shared before she went to be with the Lord. And I don't know if some of you were privileged enough to see that or heard that post, but it was all about forgiveness. It was all about reconciliation. And she apologized. She reached out to anyone that she might have hurt. And she made herself avail. That's a hard thing to do. Because of that, there's been a ripple effect. But it started with Christ. You know, when he hung there and they, and they mocked him when they crucified him. And they called him names. He had all the authority and all the power to just smite everybody. Take everybody out of the picture. But instead, he chose to forgive us. He said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Sometimes people don't understand the weight of what they're doing. They don't understand that life and death are in the power of the tongue. They don't understand that the wages of sin is death. But Christ came to pay it all. Sometimes it's hard to forgive others when we first haven't forgiven ourselves. But I want to encourage you, if you're here today, if you would, in this moment, right here, right now, don't go another day, another moment, carrying that weight, that bitterness. That you just let go and let God. Paul said in Romans 10, verse 9, if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe that God the Father raised his Son from the grave, that we will be saved. Your salvation power in believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth 
that God is Lord over all. And I want to give you that opportunity. Just let God in. You can't forgive on your own strength. You can't even love on your own strength. You need the God of love to come in, and I want to give you that opportunity to do that. So we're just going to pray right now. I'm going to ask if you would in this moment, just close your eyes and bow your heads. Respect the moment that you're in. and Maybe you've prayed this prayer before. I'm going to ask you to pray it again. Or if it's your first time praying the prayer, I just ask that you'd pray so with your whole heart. Let this be your moment where you let God in and let go of those things that have been holding you down. Repeat after me. Just say, Dear Jesus. Oh, let's hear that name again. Dear Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I don't want to hold back anymore. I lay it at your feet. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I'm asking you now to be my God, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. I choose now to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Just stay in the moment while your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed. I can just feel the, the very presence of God in this place. You can feel that peace, eh? If you prayed that prayer, which we just prayed for the first time, I'm not here to embarrass you or call you up. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Just on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to be so bold just to lift your hand up towards him. Say, that's me, Pastor. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Put them up. Put them up. Put them up. Yes. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He sees you. The next is this. Maybe you prayed this prayer before, but you know that you've been holding on and you've been holding back. You haven't been putting him first, but today, today you chose to reconcile with him, to come back to him in a relationship with him. And if that's you, I want you to do the same thing on the count of three. Put your hands up. Let's go. One, two, three. Come on. Yes, 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 Jesus. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in the house. Wow. All right. We're going to continue to press in. Here at College Street, like many churches all around the world that are celebrating Jesus today and are being obedient, are walking forward as we make, no, we don't make converts, we make disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus. And part of that process, he taught us in Matthew 28, starting in verse 19, and to go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey his commands. And surely he is with us always, even to the ends of the earth. And if you're here today and you'd like to be baptized, all you got to do is come forward. In Acts 22, it says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. We believe it's not for us to make it difficult for those that are coming to know Jesus. If you can understand a relationship with Jesus, if you can understand salvation, you can understand baptism. In Romans, it says this, that when we are baptized, we are baptized with Christ. 
that when we go in the water, that we are buried with Christ. It represents when he went to the grave. And when we come up out of the water, it says that we are resurrected with Christ. The word baptism means to be all in, fully immersed, fully immersed. And so if that's you, you want to be all in for Jesus today. You can just come forward at any time as we worship. My beautiful bride and I will be on the side there. We've got extra towels, clothes, you name it. Most importantly, we got Jesus. <laughs> Let's worship God together now. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.